Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. When someone tells you there is some truth to both sides in an argument, they're appealing to what they hope the greater public will think is actually a, a whole truth, when in fact, what you're dealing with is two half-truths, which aren't even really halves because together they never make a whole. A half-truth can best be described as something like half a brick. It only has force in an argument because it's easier to throw than a whole brick. Half-truths are everywhere around us, of varying kinds and sizes, so one should consider the dent these half-bricks put on our lives. A year is not always 365 days. A billable hour is not necessarily 60 minutes, and a 2 by 4 is not 2 inches by 4 inches. A peanut is not really a nut, it's a legume. An American buffalo is not a buffalo, it's a bison. Just ask anyone in Fargo, North Dakota. A koala bear is not a bear, it's a marsupial. A starfish is not a fish, it's an echinoderm. And a palm tree is not a tree, but a form of grass, which I think is very misleading. A penny costs more than two cents to make, thus making it more than a penny. And a mountain goat is not really a goat. And pink is not exactly a color. However, the dents become much deeper with a twist of the truth in stories like the Black Sox scandal of the early 20th century, centering on the charge that the eight members of the Chicago White Sox had been bribed to lose the 1919 World Series to the Cincinnati Reds. Consider the backdrop in this story. Charles Comiskey, who owned the White Sox, finished his own playing career with the Cincinnati Reds. He later bought the baseball franchise of this notorious scandal out in Sioux City, Iowa, and then moved them to Chicago and renamed them the White Stockings. But local sports writers quickly changed their moniker to the Chicago White Sox. Comiskey was reported to be cheap. Their top pitcher that year was Eddie Sicotti and he was promised a $10,000 bonus if he won 30 games. Comiskey benched him for the rest of the season after he won 29. Court records suggest that the eight players received $70,000 to $100,000 for losing the nine-game series, five games to three. Although baseball commissioner Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis banned these eight players from baseball for life, the players had stood trial in the summer of 1921 and on August 2nd were acquitted on insufficient evidence, largely because key evidence, including the original confessions of the players, had disappeared from the grand jury files. One of the eight, and maybe the most talented, was Shoeless Joe Jackson, who was himself illiterate, yet he hit 375 in the series and played airless ball. After the trial, as the defendants were leaving the courtroom, a broken-hearted boy is said to have run up to Shoeless Joe and said, according to legend, Say it ain't so, Joe. But Joe never responded. Truth can never be told so as to be understood and not be believed. Robert Hare, who wrote the book Without Conscious, describes the narcissistic mindset of men who use language with the intention of salting the mind, which would be like throwing confetti with nuggets of half-truths. A reasoning that if others thought some of what was said was true, they were more likely to believe everything else that was said was also true. Narcissists rarely speak the truth, but only half-truths, because narcissists are only accountable to their own emotions. 
Process theology sprang up in the early 20th century also and persists today among modernists and progressives. Englishman Alfred North Whitehead was the inspiration behind this salting of the mind. The concepts of process theology include that God is not omnipotent, the divine only has power of persuasion rather than force. Whitehead's process theology argues that there is urgency in coming to see the world as a web of interrelated processes of which we are all integral parts, an influential thought process and forerunner of the ecological and environmental ethics of today. Perhaps his most famous and pointed criticism of the Christian concept of God is that the church gave unto God the attributes which belonged exclusively to Caesar. Whitehead criticizes Christianity for defining God as primarily a divine king who imposes his will on the world, as opposed to what Whitehead emphasizes as the brief Galilean vision of humility. It does not emphasize the ruling Caesar or the ruthless moralist or the unmoved mover. It dwells upon the tender elements in the world, oblivious to morals, operating by love. It does not look to the future, for it finds its own reward in the immediate present. Whitehead coined the phrase, There are no whole truths, only half-truths. You know, Mark Twain also coined a phrase, The half-truth is the most cowardly of lies. In Ireland, they call bricks Irish confetti. So if you're going to throw some, you might as well throw the whole brick. Our emotions are only capable of moving others if others believe them to be grounded in a real cause or a real truth that can stand alone on any side, like a whole complete brick. For a man to be peaceful, he must also be dangerous. If you throw a half brick at a man, you would hit him in the back, for a coward knows no other way to throw a half truth. A dangerous man will come back and hunt the one down who threw the half brick and unleash his wrath. If you throw a full brick at a man, you will hit him in the chest, and it will carry him up to his head, knocking some real sense into him, because there is truth. A dangerous man would then come to his senses and say, maybe I should change my evil ways and be more peaceable on this matter. The last living apostle, who was John, wrote to us about reconciliation. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if you're Irish, that is the whole dadgum brick. Ain't it so? This is Gittin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum. <laughs>